Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Don't worry, we have got you covered when it comes to the NCAA tournament. A lot of tourney talk to get to, but there's also a lot happening in the National Football League. You want to talk about Final Fours? Deshaun Watson may be down to a Final Three. One NFL team out of the running for the Houston Texans quarterback. Drama surrounding him. Maybe texts that didn't mean what they said. It's what happens in NFL free agency. Welcome aboard. It is... Aaron Torres and myself, Dan Beyer, in for Doug Gottlieb today. In about uh, next hour, about 90 minutes from now, we'll be joined by Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, making about 80 minutes or so. But he will break down all of the happenings in free agency, who's going where, what the Browns are going to do with Baker Mayfield. That's because, Aaron, we found that the Cleveland Browns are now out of the running for Deshaun Watson, while the New Orleans Saints, one of the three finalists, have got a second interview with the Texans. Texans quarterback in the end it looks like Deshaun Watson's going to stay in the NFC if he is moved from the Texans but the Browns out the Saints right now seemingly have an inside track to acquire Deshaun Watson first of all nice to speak with you again Dan Beyer um privilege as always uh to be with you filling in for Doug this is the story in sports right now, and I, I'm as big of a college basketball guy as anybody, but Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. We were on air when, obviously, the news broke that he would not get criminal charges. I believe he's probably one of the five best, uh, most talented quarterbacks in the world right now. That includes all the guys that emerged this year. And, uh, you know, I just think, obviously, there was a little scuttlebutt with Baker Mayfield and all that the other night. But I think Deshaun Watson is making a smart tactical move, uh, making the decision that it appears as though he is headed to the NFC. I know Tom Brady's back, but obviously the path to high, high, high level success, Super Bowl appearances, things like that seems much easier in the NFC right now. Do you think that's the number one reason why the finalists, his three finalists are all in the NFC? It's a great question. You know, sometimes I I do wonder. So just as an example, we were on air when the Tom Brady news broke on Sunday, and you immediately alluded to the fact that how could Tom Brady not look around the NFC picture, especially without Russell Wilson? I don't know if it's the only reason, but I don't know how it can't be a reason. First of all, I think, you know, he's from the Atlanta area. He played college ball at Clemson. We get that in the Carolinas. So geographically, it's clearly a place that he's comfortable with. Uh, But I don't know how you couldn't be. I don't know how that couldn't be the primary factor. Um, And by the way, it probably helps, you know, the the Texans kind of uh, uh, commiserate, you know, commiserate, however you say that, to commence a trade, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, uh, because you're you're now asking to be traded out of the conference, which makes it easier for them. Not that I think he's doing any favors, but I don't know how you could not look at the picture in the AFC. Uh, I don't know how you could not look at all of those great young quarterbacks. And it was a conversation we had about Russell Wilson a week ago. I I love Russell Wilson. I think he's incredible. Uh, I would have much preferred to go somewhere in the NFC where the path appears to be easier. So again, I don't know if it's the sole reason, but I don't know how it could not be a factor in some form or fashion. By the way, one thing to think about, Dan, 
Deshaun Watson, and I'm not being facetious or sarcastic, he had a lot of time to watch football over the last 12 months. So sure. may, maybe the fact that, that he's more plugged into what's going on with other organizations more than worrying about game planning day in, day out, week in, week out with the Texans, maybe that, maybe that is a part of why he seems to be choosing to want to go to the NFC. I think that when you look at the three teams that are remaining and the one that is left out, and again, this is on the heels of a report that these teams had an opportunity to talk to Watson only because they presented the Texans with a trade package that was suitable to the Texans' needs. So then it's just a matter of, does Deshaun Watson want to waive his no-trade clause after meeting with these teams? So you have these four teams that are meeting with Watson, and yeah, three of them are in the NFC, one is in the AFC. I think that is a legitimate reason. But I also think that there's there's two other reasons on why the Browns are out and these other teams are in. Number one, I think weather plays a big part of it. Sure. And I, and I and I'm not saying that, you know, Charlotte in January is is, you know, like Maui, Bora Bora. Yeah. That's not yeah. the case. However, it is a lot nicer than on the shores of Lake Erie in December <laughs> and January. Sure. I think that the weather plays a part of it. It's just a, it's a little bit nicer to be able to play in Charlotte. And when you're in Atlanta and you're in New Orleans, you're indoors. And he's played his, his entire NFL career yeah, in a, in a stadium that is a, a retractable roof. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. That, that's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, obviously, again, grew up in Atlanta, played at Clemson and spent the majority of uh, his profe- – you know, the, the majority of his NFL starts have been indoors, obviously, because half of them have been in Houston. And I don't know how that can't be a factor, right? I mean, listen, this is uh, Deshaun Watson now, obviously, uh, a very stressful year over the last year or so. But now he is in the position where he has all the control. And so mm-hmm. – um, you know, it's one thing to be 20, 21 years old entering the NFL draft. You have no say in where you end up. But now he can handpick the the place that he thinks is best for him. And again, I, I think it's probably not the only factor. I think the, the road in the NFC is easier. The geography from just a comfort standpoint, a place that he's very familiar with, both Carolina, Atlanta. Obviously, I'm sure he spent time in New Orleans, all that good stuff. So again, not, not the only factor, but again, if you're a quarterback and you have all the say, you have to look at what is the easiest possible road or path for you. I mean, let, let, let's go back, you know, three off seasons ago when Tom Brady chose Tampa over the Chargers. And obviously there were some things about uh, the Chargers that were very appealing. There were some things that weren't appealing, but I, I don't know how Tom Brady couldn't look at a division with an ascending Patrick Mahomes at the time and that not be a factor. And so uh, obviously, look, these guys are all competitors. These guys all want to, uh, you know, they all believe that they can beat anybody that they're stepping on the field and facing off against. But again, if there is an easier path, a path that makes more sense, I don't know how you can't see seriously look at that one and Brady's talked about how much he you know loves the weather in Tampa now there's no need to ever go back uh to the uh to the northeast and and play or play in any place with wintry conditions I I think that that is a part of it I there is another reason but yesterday on the show I thought that Carolina was I thought Carolina should be his pick and now as I sit here, and it's not because Carolina didn't get a second interview like the Saints did, Aaron, but this leads me to the other point of, of, of now as I'm trying to sort this out, that, that New Orleans probably is the best option, and it's probably the best option for two reasons. Number one, and this is actually something Doug pointed out yesterday, Matt Rule's future is unknown. And you do not know what, it is go- what is going to happen after this year. You would not, uh, if, if – 
even if Deshaun Watson went there and they went nine and eight, there would there would be likely a coaching change or some change in Carolina as Matt Rule is on the hot seat. In New Orleans, you have a new head coach that just comes in and is taking over, and you'd have to think that Dennis Allen would get a little bit more time. I thought that Carolina's weapons with a guy like DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey were better than Atlanta. Um, and then you go to New Orleans, you're like, all right, Michael Thomas comes back, Alvin Kamara. Maybe it's a bit of a, of a wash there, or even if you want to lean with New Orleans. But the other reason now why I think New Orleans makes sense is just of Deshaun Watson's going to get to do what he wants to do. Like this is not that Carolina wouldn't cater uh, their offense to him, but I almost think that he would have carte blanche now that Sean Payton's not there and you have a defensive coordinator as your head coach. And to allow Deshaun Watson to play the offense that he did or, or the offense that he wants it may be more likely in New Orleans. And I'll say this, it's a heck of a lot more likely in any of those three spots than it would be in Cleveland. Browns have obviously moved on from OBJ last season. Jarvis Landry uh, is no longer a member of the Cleveland Browns. It is a run-first team. That is also a reason why I think just Cleveland offensively, aside from the weather, probably didn't fit. And now you're kind of deciding between those three teams on what team offensively is Deshaun Watson going to have the most input on. And it may well be the Saints who didn't have that because it was always Sean Payton's offense over the last decade and a half. Yeah, that, that was kind of what I wondered if that was a reason not to go to New Orleans is the idea of having a defensive-minded head coach. And in 2022, it feels like most of the, the few defensive-minded head coaches that are left, uh, kind of it limits what you do uh, offensively. Uh, you know, Seattle with Pete Carroll, obviously Vic Fangio uh, previously in Denver, all that good stuff. But I, I think it's interesting. Let me ask you just a question. Um like, where are we at on Matt Rule? Because I, I, this guy was supposedly, I don't want to call him the boy genius because he's neither a boy, and I don't think anybody was calling him a genius. But, I mean, this was the guy that everybody wanted two or three off seasons ago. And so, listen, I understand the concept that in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's whatever. But, it, it, like, everybody loved him as a candidate about 24 months ago from this point. And so I guess my question is, he clearly didn't get worse as a head coach. Was he just overrated? Did he not have the right quarterback? And then if you're Deshaun Watson and you get on the whiteboard with him, do you feel like, okay, uh, even if you're not Deshaun Watson, I guess is my point is like, is he that bad of a coach or did he just come to a situation where he thought he would have the quarterback figured, uh, figured out by now? He hasn't. And ultimately it may cost him his job. I think it's a different animal, and you know, there's also a change in the in the front office. Uh, Scott Fitterer, uh, their general manager, I believe he's been there um, for one season. But I but I think part of it is remember Matt Rule when he fired Joe Brady. Yep. And then he talked about you know like I I didn't know Joe Brady at all. I was you know it was. Uh, a recommendation and just found out that personalities didn't uh, didn't match. Sure. I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the case or not. But I do think that with the friction that was there, that's not necessarily a good sign. Now, rules history. I mean, of turning around Temple and turning around Baylor. And there was always that, as you said, that that thought of the the NFL as the logical next step. And then he went to an organization where he thought he could do more. But I think that the not that the jury is still out. I think that the jury is about to come through with a verdict. And that verdict is not going to be in his favor if they don't have success. So I, I actually think that that to, to, to your point of here, we thought that he was going to be this wonder coach. 
and two years in it hasn't happened that makes this year make or break so i think it's already i think it's already starting to form our opinions on on matt rule because if they don't have success this season uh there's no way that he's he's going to return well, and that, well, I agree with that part. I just wonder, is he was he just not as good of a coach as we thought, or does he just not has he not had the quarterback? And I will say, and, and I feel like I've had this conversation with you on air before, it, it always cracks me up. There's always one, one or two of these guys, maybe not every coaching cycle, but you see them every so often where they're, they're so well regarded, they're so well respected, and they choose an organization because they think, I'm going to have my chance to build it my way. We're going to do it my way. We're we're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, no, no. Give me the franchise that has the quarterback. I don't care how dysfunctional ownership is. I don't, you know, look at the Cincinnati Bengals for 30 years, dysfunctional ownership, coaching this, that. I mean, and I know Marvin Lewis, they made a couple playoffs here and there, but they were never what they are now. Now you got Joe Burrow. All of a sudden, Zach Taylor looks like a, a, a genius. Um, you know, I, I know we, we've thrown around the stats for years about what Pete Carroll's record is before Russell Wilson. And so Matt Rule's just the latest example. Every couple years we see one of these guys, they have all these options, and I'm going to go here because we got time to build it the right way. Well, ownership doesn't stay patient. Fan bases don't stay patient. Now all of a sudden, to your point, Dan, we're heading into year three. If he does not find the quarterback this year, uh, he's either going back to college or he's going back somewhere else. I would add two, by the way. Not that it has anything to do with anything, but there were some strong, when we thought Jim Harbaugh might actually take that Vikings job, there were some strong Matt Rule wants the Michigan job rumors out there. I think he knows his clock is ticking, and it just, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it makes me laugh or whatever, because I, I, you know, I feel bad for these guys, but... You just don't have as much time as you think in this league. That's the only point I guess I'm trying to make. Yeah, he's entering year three. I, I would also say this, that they they missed on the quarterbacks bad. Yeah. Like if mm-hmm. they just even had had someone who was halfway decent, I think they would have been halfway decent. But they when they've they had their quarterbacks, they have they have completely swung and missed. And and so I, I don't even I don't even it's not even a, a franchise quarterback sort of thing. And I, and I don't think you need to be a I think def, I, I think in the in the instances like with Pete Carroll, when they won their Super Bowl, it wasn't because of Russell Wilson. Sure, fair. Um, he, he was a you know a piece of that. You look in Buffalo, Sean McDermott uh, is a defensive head coach and Josh Allen is the franchise quarterback. So that kind of works. I don't don't always think you need that connection, um, which obviously if it was down to these three teams, Arthur Smith in Atlanta would likely have the inside track if that was the case. But I think even if he goes to New Orleans, you're going to sit there and say, all right, we're going to do whatever we can to build it around Deshaun Watson's strengths. And that's probably another reason why Cleveland's left out in the cold. Pun, actually. Yeah, intended. I was just going to say, yeah, no, it, it, it's, there's a lot of different factors. But I was on air when that Baker Mayfield letter went out. And I know we'll talk about Baker later. But it did feel like, okay, this means that Deshaun Watson is going to Cleveland. I didn't get it for all of the reasons that we've discussed. And uh, apparently I was onto something. And a lot of people were. I'm not saying I'm the only one. But apparently I was onto something because never thought Cleveland made sense. And apparently Deshaun Watson feels the same way. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. This show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. You know, it's busy in Vegas with the NCAA tournament going on, and one top seed got a scare for their life. We'll talk about that next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. 
Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You can hear Adam here on Fox Sports Radio on the Inside the Birds podcast and also on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Uh, Adam, it's me and Aaron Torres today yep. sitting in on this crazy day. Uh, crazy day in Cleveland. Is this all stemming from the Deshaun Watson pursuit that Baker Watts out and now that the Browns didn't get Watson, they won't trade him? How did this all unfold? It's going to be, you know, it's actually started, um, gosh, weeks ago where stuff got out of their building about Mayfield. And I know privately I'm told he was not happy about it, some criticism that became public. And it just, just started building up. And the, the Browns have had it issue, issues with what they perceive as maturity. Uh, they felt like he needed to be, be a better leader. But, you know, he was so tough last season. Remember, he had a significant left shoulder injury, which he'd later play with during the season. He had a groin injury. He actually had four injuries, I'm told, that he played through, and obviously he had just had surgery, so he won't be ready till the summer. And then, you know, they sat him down. They talked, the, the agents talked to, uh, actually, uh, Tom Mills, who's been around many years, and his dad, Jack, who co-represent uh, Baker. And they were told, basically, that um, they were going to talk to Watson, uh, and his representative, uh, David Mulligetta, about uh, getting involved, and they met with him. Uh, and Baker was told this was going to happen. Was a surprise to him because he told they told him. Uh, then you saw Baker's. I don't know if you. I, I assume you guys saw it. His uh, social media post where yeah. he didn't know about his future, and he was getting very sentimental. And then um, he, I, I think he's gotten to the point where he's just has had enough. And it, what, uh, it, what the, the amazing thing is, guys. 2020, I don't, in Kevin Stefanski's first year, they, they came out of nowhere to make the playoffs and they, they won in the, the wild card round, and, and Baker Mayfield was the toast of the town. As we saw with Carson Wentz, it all could go dissipate quickly. And the Browns have to figure out, because Watson's not interested in them going forward, what they're going to do with quarterback. Because when a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, he's got two veteran agents who I know both uh, Mills's, especially Tom, they'll take this as far as they need to to get him out of there. Um, and that's just the way they're going to have to do it. It'll be very difficult to mend fences, never say never. But when you decide that as a club you're going to pursue another quarterback in in front of you, uh, in front of you, that, that I mean, I, it's just hard to go back. It's like guys, if so, if, if if your employer tells you, listen, we like you, but we think there might be someone better than you. It's just it's just not going to work. And that was going to be my next question, um, Adam, is was was there something even from the beginning that they could have done different? Because what Dan and I were talking about earlier is I understand both sides is is Baker, as you said, led this team to the playoffs. He was not 100 percent last year. I understand the Browns saying, you know, you really struggled last year, you know, injuries included. Uh, could they have come out more publicly uh, and supported him? Is there something they could have done from the beginning that wouldn't have gotten us here besides the obvious uh, don't meet with Deshaun Watson until Baker Mayfield? about it well here's the problem guys you know at the combine not assessing blame here but the fact of the matter is um andrew barry and kevin stefanski barry the general manager and stefanski the head coach both said that mayfield will be the starter going forward and then when you have this stuff come out when they there's nothing wrong with pursuing deshaun watson he's a better quarterback but once you decide you're going to do that it's over for baker mayfield that's just the way it works and now to try to put the genie back in the bottle so to speak it's just going to be very difficult and you know, Browns fans, poor Browns fans, they finally, after 30 years, make the playoffs or become a, a, a they won, you know, they, they look like they're, they turned things around for the first time in 30 years. And now they're back to square one. Not that the roster isn't good, it is, and Stefanski's done a good job, but 
they don't really know what the, who their quarterback's going to be. And remember, that this is the final point here. This is probably the most important point of all. Andrew Burry, the, the general manager, had nothing to do with Bayfield being drafted. John Dorsey, the former GM, drafted him. And we have to remember, it's like Joe Douglas when he took over for uh, the Jets, for Mike McCagman. He inherited Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's on borrowed time, and so is Baker Mayfield. That's just the way it is. And Jimmy Haslam is staying out of it, I'm told. Uh, he basically has given Andrew the ability to do what he wants. And I just get the sense that knowing Jimmy Haslam just a little bit from people who work for him, they don't want the quarterback and his displeasure to be the big story. And You saw what happened with uh, Odell Beckham Jr., how he became bigger than the football team. This is not what they want. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer sitting in for Doug. Uh, kind of on the heels of a transition a segue with OBJ is – uh, Odell Beckham Jr. possibly going back to the Rams, but the Rams today signing Allen Robinson to a three-year deal. How do the Rams keep doing this? How 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 are they able to you know bring in now Allen Robinson again and, and fit these contracts and make it work? Yeah, it, it's it's first of all it's going to be a two-year structure as I understand it for a three-year deal. That means they could they could get out of it after two years. And OBJ uh, he's coming from back from a tour in ACL. They the Rams that have all the leverage here. Uh, as a guy who's had a lot of injuries, OBJ, very talented. Boy, did he look good before he got hurt. But they, and they, remember, Robert Woods is coming back from a tour in ACL. Sure. So they, they yeah. have if that, I think we forget about that. They love him, by the way. I, I mean, they, I'm, it would shock me if they cut him just because I know internally how much they love him and how much of a leader he's been. And don't forget Cooper Cup. I mean, if he, had, he signed a good contract extension a couple years ago. But you can make the case he's outplayed it. So they have some they have some – Challenges to go through here. They lost one of their starting corners, Darius Williams, in free agency, and Austin Corbett, a starting guard. They've got some work to do, but the roster's still intact. And, and Matthew Stafford, by the way, is going to get a new deal this offseason. So we mentioned Deshaun Watson. It seems as though he's down to three. He's yeah. going through, yeah, if we want to call it the interview process, the reverse interview process, whatever. Uh, wh- where do we stand? Do we have an idea? Is this going to be drawn out? Does Deshaun want it done quick? What, 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 where, where are we at on this? Well, the Texans guys want it done. They want it done by Sunday because his contract, part, part of his base salary for 2023 becomes fully guaranteed on Sunday. So they're going to want to get this done by Saturday. Uh, Watson doesn't want to be rushed, as I understand it. And by the way, there are other teams that, if he is unsure by, let's say, tomorrow or Saturday, there are other teams that want to get a, would like to sit down with him. Now he he only wants to talk to those teams that he's met with. Um, I know there have been there there are a couple teams I don't particular that still want to talk to him, but he's not granting that request. I, I would tell you the Saints were always the favorite coming in. They're the favorite now. It doesn't mean they're going to be that team that he picks. And remember. He has a no-trade clause. He decides, just like Russell Wilson does, where he goes. It will not be, it will not be the Texans' choice. They, they, they control all the compensation, but he will control where he goes. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Uh, last one, because I, I don't think we've even spoken since yeah, we uh, haven't. Yeah. Uh, the Russell Wilson trade yeah. ended up uh, happening. Um, the Seahawks yesterday released uh, separate statements from Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Jody yeah. Allen, all uh, you know, basically saying Russell Wilson started this. Wilson was asked that yeah. he initiated. How bad did it get in Seattle between the sides? Yeah, Dan, yeah, Dan you and I have talked about this for a year and a half. Russell wanted out. He wanted out last year, but he didn't want to be the bad guy. Uh, they were not going to trade him due to cap issues. It would have created a ton of uh, dead money. So they were not going to really honor his request to at least consider being traded. And then they both mutually agreed that this is the best 
course of action, but they didn't want to come off as the bad guy. Let's not forget, you as a Seahawks fan knows, uh, know this. Well, the Jamal Adams trade has not worked out. Uh, giving up all, all that trade compensation, not having first-round picks. This is, this is probably the best decision that they could make, at least to get them. But here's the problem. Like so many teams are t- would tell you, they don't have a starting quarterback right now. Drew Locke will not be starting week one if they don't draft a quarterback in the first round. I mean, that's the only way he would. They're going to be looking to draft a quarterback in the first round. It's going to be hard to find a quarterback. That's just the way it is. This is the worst time in my 19 years covering the, 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 this business to need a quarterback. It's just, it's just not good. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, the Seahawks, the Seahawks would have gotten three first-rounders had Russell been willing to, to go to another team, but that was really the only team that he focused on. Uh, there was another team hovering, but he he wanted to go with a, a, a head coach who calls plays, and, and that's that's why your Seahawks didn't get the three first rounders. Who was hovering? Uh, there's another team that needs a quarterback. It still does not. I'll leave it at that way. They, okay. It's not out there, but I know for a fact this team was calling the agent and wanted Russell to get on the horn, and he wasn't interested. Ah, interesting. All right, very well. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Always good to talk to you, Adam, and we'll be getting closer to the draft as well. Can't wait to do that. Thanks, man. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Get him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. Again, here on the Inside the Birds podcast, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and right here on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, it was weird, Aaron, yesterday with those Seahawks statements. And then the Seahawks even put out a graphic saying, you know, thank you to one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks in Seahawks history. Mm-hmm. And I've been a fan of the Seahawks most of my life. Uh, I'm a Seahawks fan because of Dave Craig, their old quarterback. And when you think about their history – I mean, it's basically Matt Hasselbeck or Russell Wilson. And just to, to see that, the, the, the comparison, one guy was the, uh, you know, the quarterback to lead him to a Super Bowl victory. Hasselbeck did take him to a Super Bowl. But even when you just go back in stat-wise, I mean, Russell Wilson is the king of all that. So just there just mm-hmm. seems to be a little bit of pettiness on the side of the Seahawks now that like he's it. out of Seattle. It does seem like that. We had Dave Softy on, Dave Softy Maller last week on, and it, it seemed like the fan base was a little bit more upset with how it played out than I had anticipated. I loved Hasselbeck. I uh, thought he was great. He threw 174 touchdowns during his time in Seattle. Russell Wilson threw 292. <laughs> so, one of, so, one yeah. of. Who else yeah. is on the list? Charlie Whitehurst? Like, who, what, are we, what are we talking about oh, here? Come on, Seattle? Man. Come on now. Dave Craig, of course, is on the list. Dave Craig actually has 195 touchdown passes. Yeah, he actually had the record. He had more than, than Hasselbeck had. He had Jim Zorn. Uh, he had Warren Moon for a stretch. Um, John Kitna in the late uh, you know late 90s as well. Rick Myra was a first uh, first round pick. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of names. The, the some that uh, I would rather forget. Um, the Stan Gelbaugh era, uh, Kelly Stoffer era, those were uh, those were forgettable times in Seattle. But yeah, to say one of the Seah- greatest quarterbacks in Seahawks history, no matter how petty you are, you can't deny what he ended up doing there. And I know it's a different game, but it's not like Matt Hasselbeck wasn't in a quarterback friendly system either. Sure. I mean, you know, they they would throw you know three yard passes to running backs out of the backfield because that was their running game for a while. So, but yeah, just the Seahawks seemingly uh, a little bit petty when it came to Russell Wilson's departure. Mm-hmm. Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug. Tell you what, it takes a special kind of idiot to start off the uh, tournament. Oh, for two. 
0-2 in their bracket. You're talking to that idiot right now, Aaron Torres. But we could we could have a bounce back if Memphis doesn't blow what was like their 20-point lead as now they're only up 7 on Boise State midway through the second half. But an 0-for-2 start to the all-NCAA tournament. Well, what I would say is, first of all, you're certainly not the only one. Um, Providence losing to South Dakota State was a very popular upset pick, so I guess South Dakota State winning. I would add, by the way, as somebody who's running a bracket pool, Richmond up early 13-9 on Iowa. Cannot tell you how many people in my bracket pool have Iowa in the Final Four, including myself. Also, I did just see our colleague Rob Parker uh, uh, put his uh, Final Four up online, and he did have uh, Iowa in his Final Four as well. Dare, dare we say it? Dare we say it, Aaron Torres? Uh-oh, what? Dare we say if Iowa loses, a lot of people I have there, bracket, bracket busted. busted. My mm. bracket is busted <laughs> thanks to Iowa. Only losing right now again, as Aaron said, by four. Uh, the My bracket is done. Now, I did have Colorado State in the Elite Eight making a Cinderella run. That will not happen. Sure. But I, I hold out hope, Aaron, that I have chaos chaos i say in that south region that allows maybe my misstep of colorado state to survive from my bracket being busted early on in this ncaa tournament so this is one of my favorite things but also my least favorite things about march madness is the march madness cliches i mean there's quite a few um but first of all the guy that has to, and I, I know you were doing it tongue in cheek, so I'm not making, I'm not criticizing <laughs> I just, you. I knew it got under your skin, so that's yeah. why I was going to slide it in there. The, you know, and I know a large portion of our audience isn't on social media, but the guy or girl that has to immediately run to social media to tell everyone after the first game, well, I guess I'm not getting that perfect bracket. I guess I'm not getting that perfect bracket. I think one year Warren Buffett put up a billion dollars. Oh, well, I guess Warren Buffett, he could keep his billion dollars. Yes, Sarah, in accounting, we really don't care that much. Uh, Warren Buffett really wasn't up at night worried about your bracket last night, Sarah. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. The so. uh, the ability to, to get all 63 games, if you were to parlay that into a bet, Sure. It is so much more than a million dollars that some sites are giving. It truly is. It has to be like a billion dollars if you were if you were to get that sort of bet cuz it's it's hard enough to get the first round. Oh, like yeah. like nobody's going 32 of 32. It's just it's not happening. And if you were to do that, imagine the money you would have made in being able to parlay that bet and just making uh you know a parlay bet on those first 32 games. It's a uh, the cliche of bracket busted and no perfect bracket. Jason Stewart's our executive producer. Uh you like these traditions of uh lame sayings when it comes to the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, and um I think these are clichés, but maybe they're just like- like commonly overheard conversations this time of year and it's like uh so and so just screwed me that just and, but then that that's typically followed by but I still have so and so in my other bracket uh, so when- very few people care about your first bracket but once you say your other bracket then then they stop listening and they just wait for you to stop talking and then they tell you who screwed them no, oh. that, that's the thing. I, I will say that is uh, – I, I actually care about the second bracket more only, Jason, because it says who you are. 
you get you only get one bracket. There's an official Jason Stewart bracket. There's an official Aaron Torres bracket. You can enter the same bracket in multiple places. But when you start picking two or three different brackets with two or three different uh, winners and results and this and that, that says a lot about you as a person. That's all I'm saying. That's it's I'm saying. Uh, it's in my equivalent of fantasy football of uh, – uh, two of my teams made the playoffs. You know, I'm in, I'm in four different leagues. So then you cheer for absolutely everybody every Sunday, <laughs> or you cheer against everybody on every Sunday. I mean, it is, it, it is absurd. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes trying to make it a ball game. Now, just kidding. Uh, closing in on Richmond, we have a bit of a ball game in that 8-9 matchup with Boise and Memphis. And uh, top seed Baylor currently in action. We'll get uh, the latest. Uh, heck, why don't we do it right? Now let's well, get the real latest. Quick. Yeah, okay, yeah. go ahead. Can we just can I just get this one last one off my chest? Oh, sure. Wait another year to do it. We all know that no one knows where True TV is on their dial until the NCAA tournament. Okay, <laughs> we all understand. Although I did joke with Mike Harmon the other night, there is some family somewhere, probably in Middle America, that just loves Impractical Jokers and gets so mad for three days a year when it's not on at eight p.m. Eastern. But for the rest of us. None of us know where True TV is. It's okay. It's not. And by the way, I'm sure there's lovely people that work at True TV, but you don't need to tell all. Of, oh my goodness! Well, I had to look. I had to check my channel guide. True TV. I, last time I had it on, it was this time last year. Yeah, it's the same for all of us. You're not that interesting or unique. Okay, I got that one off my chest. I feel a lot better. John Ramos hanging out today as well. Uh, he felt the wrath of Colorado State uh, as I did. I did. Johnny. Yes, it's good to. Uh, mine is uh, the best one is people who predicate things by saying like, you know, I don't watch basketball a lot, but here's yes. my picks. <laughs> that, like, that, oh, okay. So you have to, like, they have to tell you like, just so you know, if they do win at all, like, look at this. I don't really watch basketball a lot. Or if they win, lose, they're like, that's why I don't watch basketball. That's why. <laughs> hey, hey, go easy on John. He doesn't watch a lot of hoops, okay? So I'll go easy on him with his there, bracket. There is a, a cousin to that, I've noticed. I've, I've done a lot of radio interviews this week, and I, I love each and every one. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't like the hosts, but the host that has to let you know that he either doesn't watch or doesn't know college basketball, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, drive-time radio host in Cleveland. I know you're not up breaking down Oregon State tape at 11 p.m. at night. Like, didn't really need you to tell me that you don't – no, that's pro- anyway. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just. This is a vent session. This is basically. I'm not a big, not a big college basketball guy. He'll get yeah. that. You'll well, get that. I'm, at I'm times. not surprised. I, I see you in the Baker Mayfield jersey uh, seven days a week on air. So, uh, so anyway, all right. This I'm is done. this is what happens though when the tourney comes around. You get all these characters coming out of the woodwork. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Don't worry, we've got you covered when it comes to the big dance. Two games going on right now, not really close. Another one, a different story between Iowa and Richmond. You may have heard Brian Fenley. If you didn't, just a one-point game as they near halftime in their Midwest uh, region first-round matchup. Richmond just tying it with free throws with an opportunity to take the lead. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Uh, within the last half hour, news broke that Baker Mayfield has requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns. So Baker Mayfield wants out of Cleveland, and he wants a new setting. Now, there's just one problem with that is the Cleveland Browns would have to be the ones who ended up accommodating that trade. And according to the Browns, they are not going to trade Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network reporting, uh, Jake Trotter as well, who covers the, uh, the Browns for ESPN, saying that the Browns are not accommodating Baker Mayfield's request to be traded. Baker did say to ESPN, quote, it's in the mutual interest of both sides for us to move on. The relationship is too far uh, fine to or too far to mend. It's in the best interest of both sides to move on. That from Baker Mayfield, but the Browns are the ones who are going to have to trade him, and Cleveland doesn't do it. And Aaron, I, 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 I kind of blame Cleveland for all of this. I actually do blame yeah. Cleveland for all of this. Like Baker Mayfield is who Baker Mayfield is, but you are now you now got to the point where. You pursued Deshaun Watson after the new league year began yesterday when a lot of the quarterback movement had already happened in the NFL. And then you went and said, you know what, we're going to try to go. We're going to try to go after Deshaun Watson and have this meeting. And even though you communicated it with Baker, there was no plan B. And if plan B was Baker Mayfield after you telling him that you're trying to upgrade, that to me is a Cleveland problem and not a Baker Mayfield problem. Well, first of all, I agree. Um, by the way, I think we had a Seinfeld reference on one of these uh, episodes that we've done recently. This does remind me of the Seinfeld episode where George wants to break up with his girlfriend and she just says, no, I don't think so. I, we're, we're, we're still together. I mean, that, that, that's essentially <laughs> yeah. what just happened here yes. over the last hour. Um, but no, I, I, you know, I agree with you. And, and it goes back to what I said last hour is one, I think, for all of the scorn that Baker Mayfield took last year uh, when he was not healthy, or at least that was his reasoning for his lack of success. Um, you know, he, he is a guy that has proven that that he can be a guy that takes you to the playoffs and win, wins games there. But it is exactly what you just said, Dan. It's, it's the timing element of all of this, which is that – you know, we're so far into the off season right now, and to 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 have so much coach, uh, not coaching, a, a, a quarterback movement with Carson Wentz and with Mitch Trubisky and obviously Russell Wilson, and now to take a meeting with Deshaun Watson. And my guess, I think Baker Mayfield's frustration probably is uh, that it wasn't public until it became public. In other words, that he had no idea what was going on. I do understand his frustration. As you said in hour one, um, you know, it feels as though much of the fan base turned on him last year. Nobody in the organization, I think this is an important part, ever really came to his defense publicly. I understand his frustration. I really, really, really do. If you were looking at an option, let's just say the Browns had a change of heart and said, all right, fine, we're going to move on. You know, this is this is what we're we're, we're going to try to accommodate your request and try to work for a trade. Now the question is, where do you go? Do you go to whoever doesn't win the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Do you go to a Carolina team if they would be interested? Do you try to go to Atlanta if there was something uh, there? Would you go to New Orleans if Watson doesn't go there? Do you go to Seattle? Because that to me is the – like Seattle is the place that to me makes a little bit more sense because you have two regimes, one being Baker Mayfield and the other being – Carroll and the Seahawks is trying to prove that their decisions or that their previous love affairs uh, were not better than what's ahead. So if you were to take Deshaun, excuse me, if you were to take Baker Mayfield and put him in Seattle, to me, it would be both sides kind of trying to be like, all right, let's get together. I've got something to prove. You've got something to prove. I think a scenario like that would really, really mesh, no matter how much Pete Carroll wants you to think that they should that they may play Drew Locke. To me, their goals seem to be on the same on the same level. 
Yeah, that was one, obviously, assuming, of course, that again, that, you know, as we talked with Deshaun Watson, that we're talking about a situation where Baker Mayfield's probably not going to be traded within the AFC. Um, you know, Seattle was the one that, that immediately jumped out to me for all of the reasons that you said. Um, obviously, Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, we, we, we have learned, even though I've been, uh, you know, a little bit praiseworthy of him over the last couple, uh, you know, last couple segments, uh, he isn't a guy that you could just put the offense on his back and let him basically carry you like a Justin Herbert, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a whomever. Uh, and that's not what Pete Carroll's going to do anyway. And so obviously Baker's a little volatile. It's worth noting too, Dan, that, uh, you know, Pete Carroll pretty much, if, if you produce on Sundays, he lets you do whatever you want in terms of press conferences, social media, media availability. The more that I think about it, the more that I think it actually does make a lot of sense on a lot of levels for Seattle to be the logical next spot. If he were to be traded, which it doesn't appear as though he is set to be just on the on the heels of what you said I don't even know if the AFC is off limits sure like if you're if you're the Browns and another team in the AFC uh wants Baker Mayfield even if and I know this may be blasphemy even if your hated division rivals who just signed Mitchell Trubisky Mm. and had Mason Rudolph but even if the Steelers came calling I don't know if I wouldn't end up trading him there it's different of like we don't want this guy to face this guy every single year to have it come back to haunt us if he's in a different conference maybe we only face him you know once every four years I don't think Baker is on that level yet I think you could live with maybe facing him if you were Cleveland especially if you have the sort of uh uh report on them like they do after four years. I don't think that you would necessarily mind that. So a trade within the division, I don't know where it would be. I'm not sure necessarily. I mean, if it was Indianapolis, I guess that would be a spot where you could trade uh, trade it within the conference and that have, was the have one that possibility. Of, yeah. That but, was the one I was thinking of when I said that, yeah. Yeah, if Indy came along and had a better deal than everybody else, I don't know if I'm, I'm – I'm, I'm probably taking the better deal. I'm not worried about Baker Mayfield haunting me for the last for the next ten years. That's probably pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, I I just said it because it's such a, you know, football one hundred and one cliche. But I I I do tend to agree with you. Is if if a great offer came down from Indy, I'm not I'm not sure that I do buy that they would trade him to Pittsburgh unless the offer was absurd, which I just don't see Pittsburgh doing for a number of different reasons. Um, but with that said. Uh, I could see Indy, uh, but I, I do. Now that I'm thinking about Seattle, I, just like I said, Pete Carroll lets his guys be themselves, do what they want, produce on Sundays. They have weapons, um, but it's not a place where he's going to be expected to to be again. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, whatever. So the, the, that is the spot to me that makes a lot of sense. And then as you laid out as well, Dan, just the reality that, that they both sides have something to prove. It might be a really good fit. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. I don't think you should go to Pittsburgh. My point is, if yeah. who Baker Mayfield is, are you really worried if you're Cleveland? Like, if, if your analysis on, you know, of, of what you've experienced for the next four years, are you really worried if, you know, Baker Mayfield's in your conference or in your division? And I don't think that they are. I think it's different if it's Aaron Rodgers or it's Deshaun Watson or it's oh, Russell yeah, Wilson. But in terms of Baker Mayfield, I think it's uh yeah, it's a it's a bit different. Find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Check out the latest signs of the world of sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be twenty one, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem, call one eight hundred gambler. I wanna fit this in because college hoops right now in a 
a bit of a pause. Iowa and Richmond are at the half. Richmond is up one in that game, 29 to 28. But it also allows us to take a quick look back at what happened last night in the NBA as we were focused on the first four in that thriller between Notre Dame and Rutgers. The Boston Celtics were absolutely taking it to the Golden State Warriors who lost Steph Curry in the first half of that game. And now ESPN is saying that Curry, uh, that there is some hope that the Warriors can get Curry back um, at some point, maybe in this regular season before the Western Conference playoffs start, but a sprained uh, ligament in his foot after Marcus Smart fell on him during last night's game. Kerr was pretty uh, animated during the game and then had this to say afterwards. I thought it was a dangerous play. I thought I thought Marcus uh, dove into Steph's knee, and, I, and that's what I was upset about. A lot of respect for Marcus. He's a hell of a player, gamer, um, competitor. I coached him in uh, the World Cup a few summers ago. We talked after the game. We're good, but I thought it was a dangerous play. A different tone from what he had during the game from Steve Kerr. I'll say this. Um... There was a very famous incident uh, in Anaheim a few years ago during the NCAA tournament where Dylan Brooks made a couple big shots. Dylan Brooks, of course, now in the NBA. And Oregon beats Duke to go to the Elite Eight. And Coach K pulls him aside in the post-game, press, uh, post-game handshake line and says, you know, that's just that's not how we do things here at this level, son. And I was about five feet away from that when that happened, by the way. I bring it up to say I was getting some – Big Coach K vibes from St- Steve Kerr uh, when, when I saw this. Um, I, I I think it's Adam Silver's job to protect his stars. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, players on the court, Draymond Green's job to protect Steph Curry if he thinks something was wrong by Steph Curry. But first of all, Marcus Smart was diving on the floor for loose for a loose ball like everyone is taught from the moment that they step onto a basketball court. And a lot of, in a lot of ways, I give them a ton of credit because of the fact that, you know, we always complain about the NBA. These guys are, are coasting through the regular season. Marcus Smart doesn't coast. Marcus Smart plays every possession that way. And if Steph Curry isn't healthy enough to be out there, if he, you don't deem him safe to be out there, then don't have him out there. But there was zero dirty about that play. And for Steve Kerr to have the audacity to tell another player on another team how to play, I thought it was kind of you know, almost pathetic. If I was the Celtics front office, Celtics coaching staff, I, I, I would have been very upset. Let me put it that way. I would have been very upset at the post-game press conference that Steve Kerr had the audacity to try to tell one of my players how to play, especially when he was playing hard, especially when it was clear if you saw it live that there was nothing malicious intended. How dare you? Dive on the floor. How dare Who you, do you hustle for a loose are? ball? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, if Steph Curry was on the floor, maybe he wouldn't have gotten injured. No, that's that's a cheap shot. But <laughs> the point, the, the, it, it, it was a freak play. And honestly, as Kerr is saying, like it was more about Steph's knee, I'd actually be more worried about Steph's ankle and the foot that he actually did hurt than anything considering his history. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's not like he got down there and twisted it like it was an NFL pile. Exactly. Dove, dove for a ball and Steph's leg ended up get, that that's like how 20% of injuries happen in the NFL, if not higher. You know, so for something that happened in basketball, I think you're spot on with that. He's Aaron Torres, I'm Dan Beyer. It is the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. First round NCAA tournament games again going on right now. Baylor uh, moves on as the top seed in the East region. Uh, goes uh, gets past Norfolk State with absolutely ease, 
Bears moving on to the second round. They'll face the winner of the North Carolina Marquette game. Tennessee, you like these Vols, huh? You like the uh, the Volunteers as they're taking it to Longwood right now, 67-39 with just under 13 minutes to go. The SEC Tournament champion, Tennessee Volunteers. Is this where I'm supposed to tell you all about my bracket and what I've done right and wrong so far? Or? Not, well, if you, <laughs> if you would like to, I know that yeah. I know that you had liked Tennessee entering this tournament and them getting a three seed when we did the selection show on Sunday uh, was we thought Tennessee would have been a bit higher, maybe mm-hmm. even possibly on that one line uh, if certain things would have would have fallen out, but. They are ended up a three seed, and they don't. They they seem to be taking out their angst on Longwood right now. Yes, I I would say I, I do like Tennessee, um, but it's because they're playing really awesome basketball right now. Uh, obviously, look, we all filled out our brackets. Everybody has their own opinions. One thing that's pretty much indisputable right now, Tennessee is playing like a team that is good enough to win a national championship regardless of their seed line. Uh, Roll through the SEC tournament, a Kentucky team that was actually playing pretty well coming in. They steamrolled them, obviously beat Texas A&M. So I do like this Tennessee team. I hate that they got a three seed, especially in the South, because they're going to have to go through Villanova and Arizona likely to get to a Final Four. I think those are probably three of the top six or seven teams in the country right now. Um, But, yes, I do like them. And, yes, they are absolutely boat racing Longwood right now. 